welcome everybody welcome this is sharon smith and this is iambic poetry podcast presents operation free soul with our guest host and yes or aka david demola david will be talking with his guest paul willis a recording artist rapper and extraordinaire from the boston area who lived in Sacramento, but now is back in Boston, Massachusetts. He is right now already circulating his music and his ways into his hometown once again. And I bring this episode up because he's right now in a competition over there in called BAM. So check him out if you ever get a chance to. And let's start the show. Hello, this is the Free Soul Podcast. I'm here with one of the most beautiful hearts in the city. This man does so much more than just hip-hop, but when he does hip-hop, it's amazing. He gives and gives and gives in ways that I don't think we talk about nearly enough, and that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to have him on this show. Mr. Paul Willis, say hi to everybody. Hey, what's up, everybody? What's going on? (laughs) Man, I appreciate you for having me. You're definitely on that list of like people I've been meaning to sit down and just have like little heart-to-heart conversation. And why not make it public? Yeah. <laughs> for no, everyone I'm, to enjoy. I'm, look, I'm down for it. We are for real, like, on the block. Yeah. Like, there are people rolling by, <laughs> somebody in a wheelchair going down an alley, like... Yeah, I was talking to Paul. He was like, you know, we can meet in your quiet office, or we could just sit out here and wait for, like, sirens to pass by, uh-huh. you know, get some of the city ambiance going. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm for it. Uh, well, I got to lead off with the, the softest Paul question I could ask. Paul Willis. Is hip-hop poetry? Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> Rap is rhythm and poetry. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think about that question a lot because sometimes people think that there's a difference between the two. And I don't necessarily think so, right? I think that when uh, hip-hop is done, like, really well, it can be really poetic. Mm-hmm. And you think about all the poetic devices that you would use to enhance your poetry, Right metaphor similes alliteration just all of these things about timing and uh you know how you format your pieces and if you take the same approach to hip-hop records it makes them so much more interesting mm. you know I, I know that the radio and you know whatever's popular right now they all kind of follow the same format they rap about the same stuff and all of that but if people dig a little bit deeper beneath the surface, they'll find more. Yeah. And, and the other part of that that drives me crazy is people make that complaint about like hip hop that they hear on the radio, but they never talk about rock. And if you listen to 98.5 right now, you will hear the exact same things being talked about women, drugs, yep. the whole thing. Yep. And nobody ever talks about that aspect. No, no it's funny because hip hop is actually like the smartest. Uh, genre of music mm-hmm. because it uses the most words it has the highest vocabulary yeah yeah so while like pop records and all that kind of stuff typically dumb it down to like a third or fourth grade vocabulary so everybody in the world can sing along <laughs> hip-hop records it's a lot harder to do that mm. there's like way more unique words in hip-hop music 
than any other genre. Have you done the uh, the vocabulary breakdown for Paul Willis yet? How many words? I have not. <laughs> I have not. I, I bet there's there you're up there in the ranks. For those who don't know, um, there's uh, there's a website a while ago that I saw that actually showed like the amount of words that uh, certain hip hop artists use, like ranking them from low to high. I think like Sir Mix a Lot was like two words, and then <laughs> like, there was like most Big of the butts. top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you'd rank really high on that, just from what I've heard. And how many albums you've had? How many albums does Paul Willis have? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, that's a good question. Uh, and I hope that my asthma and my allergies don't get the best of me. <laughs> yeah, today. no, we're out here in, like, Pollen City right now. It's fine. Um, but I think the official count is, like, 11. Mm-hmm. But there's also, like side projects right Mm. where it's like this is like a short little ep or even with the last album wonderland i released a live version of it Mm. and an acoustic version of it so i'm not counting those as like additional (laughs) albums wow you're not even doing the cheating math look i'd probably be closer to like 16 if that was the case (laughs) but yeah i just won't do that so it's i think officially 11 yeah that's where we're at. And, and I'd, I'd hate to just focus on, on your music because there's so much more to Paul Willis, like I was saying at the start. It, it's very easy to go like, oh, he has all these albums and he does an amazing job on stage. So much of what you do, though, is with the people. Um, from what I understand, and I, I don't actually know your history that well, so please feel free to correct me. Uh, you started off as a unicorn. No, you started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you started off with City Year in the city, moving here mm-hmm. from Boston. Yep. And so, uh, if you could just really quickly describe City Year for people, so they yeah. understand. City Year, it's an international organization, but it's a education focused nonprofit that places teams of volunteers in the schools to be tutors and mentors for students. So we have about 30 different sites, like chapters in the United States. There's two in the UK, one in London and another in Birmingham, which mm-hmm. is in the UK. And then uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, there's like really interesting, I think, histories to some of our international sites. But um, it's been around since 88. And it's been really incredible to kind of see the organization just grow. And for context, I was born in 87, Mm. right? So I was a kid in schools that had city year in my school. And then I had an opportunity my first year with the organization to then be a tutor and a mentor at my elementary school Mm. where my principal still was. Some of my teachers are still there. It was like this really crazy full circle experience. And I was doing that for a couple of years, and there was an opportunity to start up the chapter here in Sacramento. So then I moved out here uh, December 1st, 2011. Oh. That's my anniversary. <laughs> so all your guests can like send me gifts on that day. That'd be great. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's, that's really what, what brought me out here. And just like a passion and commitment to education and serving the community. Wow. So so the chapter out here, did you start it or was it Yeah, I wasn't the only person. Oh but like I never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> it it takes a team of people to get anything yeah, well, that's course. successful going. Um <laughs> uh, but there were fourteen of us. Wow. And um, you know, part of my role and responsibility on our team was to serve a, a fifth grade classroom kind of during the day, showing what this program looks like to, you know, school partners. And then during the afternoons and during the evenings, my responsibility was uh, community engagement and outreach. Mm. So 
all the branding and awareness stuff, kind of getting the word out about the organization. I attended like every neighborhood association meeting in the city, city council meetings, high schools, colleges, just community events to just like tell people like, hey, like this is who we are. This is what we do. You know, you should either apply or tell somebody, you know, <laughs> to apply because we're looking to get started, uh, you know, started. And that's something I've always noticed about you is that you're you're very much not afraid to put yourself out there and go like, this is what I'm doing. Come along with, let's have a good time, but let's also make some change. Yeah. And has that always been Paul Willis? Like back in Boston, is that Paul Willis? You know, I think in Boston, I had to learn that. Mm. Uh, A lot of my history back home was just like growing up, a bunch of struggle, trying to figure out who I am as Mm. a person, right? And um, I think that the... The biggest challenges for me was getting to that place where I finally felt like stable as an adult and kind of creating my space, right? Because my my family situation wasn't the greatest. I didn't have the greatest relationship with my mom. My grandmother raised, you know, me and my brothers and sisters uh, growing up. So when I was coming of age, I was like bouncing around a lot Mm -hmm. and didn't have a stable like home environment. And it wasn't until city here and i'm living off an americorps stipend right (laughs) i'm like this is the most amount of money i've seen in my life (laughs) you know which is like wild to people they're like wait you made like 800 dollars a month i'm like yeah Yeah. and this was a lot for me (laughs) at that time how old Um, were you i was easily 20 21 oh wow you know what i mean and i was like right right in that pocket and i was just like you know I'm, i'm not like living on a, you know I'm not living with my sister. I'm like sharing a room in Roxbury. That's $300. Right. And, um, it's, it was just a, it was a interesting experience and opportunity to really learn about what it meant to become an adult with like very little to no money. But, uh, I had this like passion and this drive. I just, I knew I like wasn't ever going to sell drugs. I knew I wasn't ever going to join a gang. I wanted to do something that was positive and productive. Mm. Um, and giving back was like my way to, to do that. So if it meant that I was, you know, serving my community and making ends meet, then I was comfortable with that. And, you know, it wasn't easy to do, but yeah. I mean, coming from where I was coming from, <laughs> right? Where my mom was making less than like 600 bucks a month on social security, right? Like I, I was able to figure out you know, uh, my, my adult life back then mm. and then started to really like self-actualize before moving out. Right. And, um, what did that process look like? Man, it was hard. I had to like have this reconciliation conversation with my mom, hmm. uh, just around her not being there for us. And for me specifically, like growing up and, I never knew my dad, which is like a whole other story, Mm. right? Like there's no father's name on my birth certificate. And it wasn't until really like my, my birthday this year that I, and I had taken a DNA test and I found out that my father was like Ethiopian, which is weird because I I still don't even have a name, but like called up my mom was like, Hey, like who was this guy? (laughs) Right? Like I know a little bit and I could probably track him down through ancestry.com, but. You know, and then my mom was like, oh, no, I know him. And actually, he might actually still be living like 15 minutes away from where he grew up. And I'm like, 
For real? <laughs> Living around the corner this whole time. Yeah, I'm mean, like, if, look, if he wasn't an enemy, like, you could have told me, right? Like, <laughs> relax. Um, so, have you met him since? No, not okay. yet. Yeah. She's she's trying to track him down right now, actually. She's in the gotcha, process gotcha. of that. Which is a wild, wild thing, right? Um, but, I, so, you know, the process of just, like, self-actualizing and kind of learning about who I am and who I want to be and how to do that. Um, that really, I think, came through my first couple of years at City Year. Mm. I had been volunteering and like working with youth during, you know, while I was in college. But then when I was doing it in the community and then actually able to like live on my own and be in my neighborhood, um, I, I recognized that, you know, the goals and the dreams that I had, I had to redefine that mm. then. Because my grandmother always told me to go to college and get a good job. But that was it, right? Like, we never got to have these conversations about, like, what happens next. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that part, I think, was, um, was, uh, I, I think, challenging in a sense because there's no guidance there. But it also gave me this freedom to, like, figure it out. So, I think I, like, dove into that. A little bit more than other people might yeah. with people in their life who can like you know guide them and help them along but because i didn't have that i had to like actively seek out like what are my next steps mm. what, you know how do i start my career and all this stuff so i think that that's like that was that process <laughs> yeah of yeah. understanding myself really well and understanding how i could be and then figuring out how it can impact the world around me. Yeah. And, and something else I'm curious about that I've been curious about for a while, but I've never known how to really ask. It just, why Sacramento? You know, I, I, I knew nothing. <laughs> I think it was just the opportunity, right, that, yeah. that presented itself. So um, I was ready to go back to school because uh, I, I didn't graduate college. I didn't finish. Um, but I was ready to go back the fall of uh, 2011. Mm-hmm. But my AmeriCorps Education Award didn't clear for the fall semester. If it had, none of this other wow. stuff would have happened. So, <laughs> um, you can blame the, you know, registrar's office or the bursar's office, whoever at the College of the Holy Cross <laughs> for that. Um, but because of that, I, I took on some work and I was looking for a second, like, part time job. Mm-hmm. And I went back to City Year and I was like, hey, I'm looking for some part-time work. Do you need somebody to help like manage events or anything like that? And, uh, you know, one of my mentors said, Hey, there's this opportunity to go and be a part of a startup team in Sacramento. Wow. He told me that only 200 people ever had started up a city or site. Oh yeah. So you got to say yes to that. Yeah. Right. I was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I, I saw maybe a potential future for myself with the organization because yeah. it was an organization I had believed in and, um, you know, I, I thought, okay, this could be a cool opportunity. Let me apply and let me go. Um, but I never knew or thought that past that first year, that startup year, mm. that I'd be staying. And it wasn't until I got hired as a, a program manager, it was my first staff job with like a salary check and benefits and yeah. all of that, that I was like, okay, no, I'm here now for real. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to figure everything else out. I'm so glad you've been able to like, just be a part of this community because again you do so much uh aside from city year and outside of hip-hop what's your favorite project that you've run oh 
Dang, there are so many. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> you know, honestly, I think and it, it's a crazy time of year, like late October, November, December, and January for me, mm-hmm. because I'm I'm now the director of operations for MLK 365, uh, yeah. but my responsibilities just started as like manager city year folks. Oh, you do a really good job of managing volunteers. Manage all of our volunteers. <laughs> oh, hey, you know what? You have been documenting this process really well, and you're an artist. Do you want to put together our programming for a single stage? And then, the, you know, fourth year, how about all of our stages? And wow. can you do all of our stages and manage volunteers? And it's like all of this stuff. And I just never said no. <laughs> uh, and I just kept saying yes and yes and yes and yes because... MLK365 is another organization I believe in and um, kind of their mission to inspire, educate, and activate people around Dr. King's dream and his legacy um, is something that's also like really near and dear to my heart, too. So uh, for me, kind of jumping into that stuff, it was incredible. But there's a bunch of other things that I've been able to get into that have been really interesting and exciting, not just as an artist, but as a community member, right? but that I think is like the biggest thing. Yeah, and um, we'll we'll kind of jump over to your poetry really quick because you won. You were one of the four winners of the Free Soul Poetry Contest. That was really cool. There's a lot of tough competition. Um, you you beat some heavy hitters. I'm not even gonna lie, and it's not even like talking up to you or anything like that. Um, and there was a line that stood out to me in your poem, um, which was titled "Help Me Find My Way," mm-hmm. and it's. A bottomless ocean filled with stories and lies, freedom, redemption, and depth. I'm certain one day it will swallow me whole. Mm. Uh, obviously, you'll read that line better when we do the performance part. But <laughs> what did that line mean to you when you wrote it? I had this uh, thing with water, mm. right? And um, I think the more and more I've studied, like, just African spirituality, Orishas, and that kind of stuff, you realize that there is this balance that's always been maintained in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, it doesn't even matter, like, what corner of the world you come from. I think everybody recognizes that, you know, the things that bring life can also bring death, mm-hmm. right? So water is a lot like that. And um, for me, I had this crazy experience when i was younger of almost drowning in a wave pool mm. at like water country back home but that's equivalent to sun splash out here right so okay. um it was just this crazy thing where strangers like helped bring me to safety but they had no clue who i was they just like saw me as like this kid who like couldn't swim and was drowning um uh, when the waves got super choppy and like real crazy um so so you i i think about like that particular moment and I think about how a lot of that trauma is also tied to ancestral trauma mm. of like my people coming over in slave ships and all this stuff. And it's weird now because my family's Jamaican, so I knew that there was a slave history, right? Yeah. But my father's side of the family, Ethiopia, has never been colonized, which I, I mean, wow. I didn't know until like literally two weeks ago. So like, huh. so that's wild to, you know, even process. But I think writing that you know, particular line, I think about 
you know, my own experience with, with large bodies of water and, and the fear that's there. I think about the ancestral trauma in, in history, but I also think about just that, that balance, right. That water can bring. So, um, just in those lines, it's, it's a mix of all of those things. Yeah. There's so many stories that are told or that have been lost because of this water, right. Mm-hmm. That, you know, for, for some people it represented that freedom, right. Mm-hmm. Of like, I'm, I'm going to hop off the slave ship cause I'm rebelling. I refuse. Right. You think about Igbo's landing and, and a whole bunch of these other like slave rebellion stories but then you think about how also we need this water, right, for life. And a lot of Caribbean life is centered, like our cuisine and all that stuff mm-hmm. is centered around the ocean. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's not dissimilar to other places in the world. But I think that water in my life holds a different kind of significance. Mm, yeah, yeah. So um, I've got to ask, as a, it's all good, as a, someone who's known for doing hip hop, in the city do you find that you're open and accepted in poetry venues because i know that sometimes there could be a little bit of a non-intermingling of those two things even though they're pretty much the same you know i think that because of my writing i've been accepted everywhere i've gone yeah i think that there might be some other people who like stick strictly to like rhyme schemes and patterns and trying to sound cool or braggadocious that never plays over well mm-hmm. in like poetry circles. And I've noticed not to cut you off, but I've noticed there are poets who do the same thing who write about themselves and they just kind of build themselves up. Sorry. Just yeah, had no, to interject it's, that. It's a real, it's a real <laughs> thing. And I think that if you make a genuine effort as a writer to connect to others by either like sharing your own personal experience in a way that's like, really honest mm-hmm. and doesn't just paint yourself as like the hero of every story. Right. Like, yeah, I think people really respect that. Um, you know, I also think that, you know, I, I don't adhere to like a, a singular way of writing. Mm-hmm. Right. So even in hip hop, I work to like break down form and structure because I've studied that. I've studied like my favorite artists and the greatest hip hop artists of all time. And, we really out here in the city. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. You uh, just get the Amazon you know, Prime truck. Shout outs to the Amazon Prime truck, which I didn't actually know they had the reverse uh, noise when they do the backups. No, but it's cool. Yeah. Um, Not an ad, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so because I don't adhere to a particular like form and structure. Yeah. Um, some of my hip hop pieces then take on these forms of like longer like poetry pieces mm-hmm. and um i'm not always rapping on the two and the four mm. you know so uh there's that and i incorporate a lot of poetry over my music yeah. so for me i think that there's this been this interesting blend where i've experimented um and and tried a lot of things out at open mics here just to see how they go over yeah and to see um if there are certain kind of ideas or things that stick better than others. Mm. But I think that that's why I've been accepted because people recognize me as like a working artist Mm -hmm. and somebody who's like constantly developing my craft. And when I perform, uh, they know that like every couple months they're going to get something new for me after I've worked something out, Yeah, you know? So, you know, my favorite 
uh, I think my one of my favorite Paul Willis moments, and it's not a specific moment, is when someone's up on like at an open mic over at Soul Collective, and they're doing this braggadocious stuff, and you get up on the mic, and you don't necessarily like talk down to them, but you just show them like there's a whole other side to hip hop to consider. Those are some of my favorite Paul Willis moments because yeah. it's gentle, but at the same time, like nah, but you should be doing this. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I definitely bring that like competitiveness mm-hmm. to it. You know, um, I'm, I'm not, I've, I grew up playing sports like basketball, football. I ran track. Um, I, so I know how to be on a team, mm-hmm. but I also know that being on a team doesn't mean that you just like butter everybody up. Like sometimes <laughs> you really have to like push and challenge other people on your team to, to kind of get better. And, I view everybody in hip hop as like on my team, mm. right? Even if they don't make the kind of music that like I like. So for me, it's for, for those folks, like I want to challenge them to like yeah. try more, show me more, yeah. right? Like you might do that because you think it makes money or it might get radio play. But when you're in a circle of other people who do the same craft, I can write those songs too. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't define me as an artist. Like, who are you? I want to get to know you as an artist. So I challenge uh, other hip hop artists to, to you know, pick up their pen and really work on their craft. Yeah. And especially in this era where radio play really starts to mean less and less and less. And all you really need is for a Spotify song to blow up. And that has been historically a number of different styles and ways of approaching music. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I've got to ask. Okay. So. I'm not, I'm not going to ask the question that I've asked before, which is, is Paul Willis running for office? We're not going that route. I know your answer by now. The answer is no. Uh, you've got other lanes that you feel like you can mm-hmm. be productive in, more productive than you would in the uh, holding office. But of the people that you know in this city, if you had to stack, say, City Hall, who would you choose? Oh, Man, okay. And it doesn't have to just be artists. It could be just people. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Um, so, I'd want Miss T. Sandifer. Hmm. Um, she runs, you know, Miss T.'s Urban Dance Studio. I, and I want her to represent the North. She's incredible. Um, there's There's a bunch of people who I think could represent, like, Midtown, Downtown. So, I'm not going to start there. I'll come back there. But... Mm-hmm. I think in the South area, it's got to be a uh, Chinua Rhodes, My Vang. I know Chinua is on the uh, school board right now, and and My is city councilwoman, and mm-hmm. you know they're they're just an incredible team mm-hmm. of people. So like they're like my team in the South. <laughs> I also just got done watching Game of Thrones, so <laughs> I'm very much like who's my king in the North. Um, uh, uh, real quick, uh, before we jump too far into it, uh, who who were you hoping would get the throne? Oh man, um, you know, honestly, like I really wanted Daenerys mm. Targaryen to to get it. I, <laughs> you know, I had no problem with her destroying everything that Cersei and the rest of them built. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought it was justice. I, other people may not, and that's fine. But <laughs> it, it, yeah, the show's been done for a little while. Anyway, back to the yeah. actual question that yeah. means something. Um, <laughs> You know, I think, you know, for the, like, land park area, 
you know, I, I'd want to shift the balance of power there. I think that that's where a lot of folks get it messed up. And I'd want somebody from uh, CV Circle to really represent that area. Mm. So there's a bunch of names from the community. But I think uh, Beto, mm. um, and a lot of people don't know Beto916, uh, but uh, he's somebody who works in the cannabis industry now, who grew up in the community, made a way for himself out of the projects and into Land Park. Mm. And he's somebody who moves like a politician, but has never been given like the opportunity to do like city management or planning or any of that stuff. But he'd be great at it mm. because of how he moves. He's like, if you know him, then you know that he's passionate about people, about justice and all that stuff. And he's a name who I think wouldn't get a lot of that that shine. So Beto, for sure. Um, you know, there's there's a bunch of people in Midtown. Um, I love Katie. I'd love to see Maya Wallace. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Midtown Maya for mayor. Absolutely. You know, or for just like city council person in Midtown. I'm, I'm with it, like, <laughs> all the way. And some of the other areas, like East Sacramento, some of the other places, I don't, I don't yeah. really know too many people <laughs> out there. But those, those are my like kings and queens of uh, the North, East, West, South, all that stuff. Yeah, and I don't think I'm too familiar with Beto, but I definitely know Maya Wallace, and uh, mm-hmm. Maya doesn't get nearly enough love for all that she does. Oh, she's incredible. Yeah, yeah. and just a, a real powerhouse. Uh, not just somebody who's like. An intellectual, right? Mm-hmm. Who like the people can't understand. Like, I think her uh, her ability to translate like policy and make it plain for people yeah. would be a huge asset. Absolutely. Um, and a lot of people know her, so I would just hope that there's an opportunity people get to vote for her. Mm-hmm. You know. So, th- th- but those are like the people who I would want. Yeah, and for you yourself, do you see yourself staying in Sacramento? You know, that's a good question. Um, I've almost moved a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but not really because, like, I was trying to, like, go back across the country, mm-hmm. but because there were a couple opportunities in, like, Stockton that were, like, you know what I mean, um, were viable for a short amount of time. Um, but I think um, it has to be, it would have to be the right kind of opportunity to pull me anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? It couldn't just be any opportunity. It would have to be like, yo, that's a big step up, you know. And um, until I find that, I'm here. So. Yeah, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm so sorry. We've gone this whole interview. I haven't mentioned it even one time. Paul Willis's hip hop at bandcamp or dot bandcamp dot com mm-hmm. is the website to go to for this man's sixteen albums. <laughs> I just have to mention it in the middle of this. I, I feel like I'm contractually obligated every time I'm with you to Aww. to mention it. <laughs> put it out there for the world because you do make beautiful music thank you and in in a variety of different styles and feels like uh oh god what was the name of your last album not wonderland but oh promise in the land of milk and honey yeah beautiful just like these soft jazz tones to it telling stories and i guess the question i have to ask is i know you work with a lot of different artists what's your creative process because in art especially since you're building your own path with it there's so many different ways you could go what's your creative process look like when you sit down to make an album like how do you even start um i think an album starts with just like a collection of writings Mm. that i i look at after a certain period i'm like i think there's something here (laughs) right and it needs to be like crafted or refined 
<laughs> to to get it to be a cohesive body of work. Um, but it it mostly starts with just listening to a lot of music, mm-hmm. right? And I'll listen to to beats um, that people send me, and you know, kind of see how it makes me feel. What's the energy? What's the emotion behind? the music and do i have lyrics to match that um so so there's that i'd like to explore a lot of concepts and um you know there there are some songs where it's like it's just like a really elongated like concept thing where where it's getting played out like that but um when it comes to creating an album i try to find like a theme that then fits uh the the majority of the writing you know and if there's things i might need to tweak or add or take away to have it better fit there's a heavy like editing process in the writing part of it where like i've scrapped whole verses or entire songs over beats because i felt like you know what i can do better to fit like the direction of a particular project so you know, I think that once I have a collection of stuff, I'm like, okay, this is going in a particular place. What's missing is my question that I ask next. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, let me add this. Let me edit here. Let me take this away. And then uh, once I feel like my writing is complete, then I go into the studio. Uh, like I don't okay. work it out in the studio. I write everything and then I show up because I'm also paying for studio time paying for you know what i mean all, i pay for everything yeah, there's yeah. no label there's no nothing so um which is wild to me that you have so many albums and it's all just self-produced yeah no for real <laughs> it's and and it's crazier that every single one of them has made back what i invested oh wow yeah, yeah that's right like uh, that's yeah. wild too like wonderland is the only one because it just came out literally like two months ago yeah so we'll have to see you know whatever it was but <laughs> it will yeah. uh, i'm confident and i i'm looking to make it all back this year mm-hmm. like that's my goal which is uh crazy because you know the music for wonderland by itself was like recording mix master to have it done was like about 5800 right okay, yeah. and then with the film on top of that and the screening that we did over at the guild that was probably another like twelve thousand. So it's probably like an eighteen thousand wow. dollar like project in its entirety. But that's like a studio produced album, a live album, uh, an acoustic album, and a film. Yeah, you know what I <laughs> Just mean. Just a couple like, things. Yeah, <laughs> like it was it was a massive kind of thing. Um, but I I have a plan and a strategy to make that back. So my my goal is to make it back, and we'll see if I can yeah. uh, this year. I'm confident, but you know you got I got to do the work, right? And that's the that's the thing with every artist is it's not just about like creating and then like letting it sit, right? I yeah. think that people who do that, it's great. You know, I think that people can create stuff, and there's stuff I've never released, right? But as a working artist. Right. And I'm like, this is a project I'm trying to sell. This is something I'm trying to get heard. Then for me, the work is once it's created, getting it out. So that's that's like the next step in the process is, you know, once I've paid for studio time, I've gotten everything mixed, mastered and I've got like visuals or like pictures and lyrics or something to package with it. Then it's now I need to convince people that this is worth their time. 
Yeah. You know? And so that's the, that's the marketing, that's the promotion. And I don't have a ton of money for a whole bunch of that. Not in the way that a label deal, you know, would, would give me that flexibility. But, um, I think I found a way to really authentically connect deeply with people. So why I don't have a wide audience, it's super deep. Like I can call or email mm-hmm. every single person on my email list and I know that they'll pick up. Nice. Like that's something that a whole bunch of other artists can't say that yeah. they can do. But people have then provided me with a ton of other opportunities to like share my work or branch out or do all these really cool things. So, um, you know, I'm not a like crazy well-known name <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of artists in the city who are like, yeah, Paul, we've kind of heard of him, but he's not like <laughs> at the cool kids table. And I'm like, I don't care about the cool kids table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I care about connecting with real people. Yeah. So that's why I bring it. Like I'm not always in artist spaces. I'm not always at the hip hop shows. I'm not always opening for your favorite artist at a Harlow's or Ace of Spades or wherever. You know, I'm like in your kid's school, yeah. like doing a workshop in a, a, at the community center, like screening a film. I am, you know what I mean? Like, I'm about to do a, an event with Sac State and USF. Mm. And it's the, uh, uh, teacher education program at USF and the, uh, uh, doctorate program for educational leadership at Sac State. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. like, you just do a couple things. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> for me, it's like, you know, I get to bring hip hop into that space and we're going to like intellectualize yeah. about my album, and my film and how many other hip hop artists can say that. Yeah. You know? And, so. and when you, when you started doing all this, did you ever think that there'd be this blend in your life of kind of, I, I guess for lack of a better term, corporate America with hip hop. And do you feel like those blend together seamlessly or have you had to kind of, Oh, it's, it's not seamless. Yeah. Yeah. It's not seamless, but so, have I wanted that blend? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, hip hop brings a lot of value to really professional and corporatized spaces. Um, you know, as a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant, I think the biggest part of my job is helping people really shift their worldview. And nothing does that like hip hop. Mm. Like when when you get people who our hip hop kind of embody those values. I think at the core, there is this like transformative justice sense mm-hmm. of I'm going to walk in this space and no matter what was here before, I'm going to leave it better. Mm-hmm. Entertained, happy, maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe activated for a social issue, whatever. But I'm going to create something out of nothing yeah. with just my words, right? So for me, when I'm having conversations about like why diversity is important, why equity is important, all that stuff, for a lot of people, like it, it's a perspective shift, right? It's a, I've benefited from these things. I may not have known some of this history before, but now once you have the information, what do you do about it? Yeah. Right. And that's, that's hip hop to me. It's yeah. like this, this idea of I'm going to encounter you. I'm going to share my story, my my culture, my people's culture, communities I come from, yeah. communities I represent that aren't typically in your spaces. And now once you have this information, what are you going to do? Yeah. If you thought this was cool, then 
join me, right? And we're going <laughs> to continue to build on this, right? But if you're if if you're completely opposed or against, then maybe you're not somebody I should be working with at all. Mm. You know, so that's the other thing is, you know, I think that there's a lot of people who are either, you know, diversity and inclusion consultants or whatever um who are fighting against these oppressive forces in those spaces, but they don't um sometimes they'll like give up parts of themselves just to get in the door for those spaces. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Right? And I've said no to more contracts that I've said yes to hmm. because I'm like really honest with people. Yeah. Like, yes, I am a uh black male, cis hetero, right? Like all of this stuff. I bring a certain kind of lens to this work. I am not, you know, uh, a, a, a trans person with a lens on this work. They're going to bring you something different. Yeah. Um, somebody with, with a person of different abilities, right? Coming into that space and into that work, they're going to bring a different lens to it. So for me, it's, you know, how can I be as inclusive as I can be? Mm-hmm. But also, for me to be real and authentic with like clients and other people, I, I tell them like, you shouldn't just hire me. Yeah, yeah. Right, like you should honestly go yeah. out and hire. That's such a thing. People like, of these in, other communities and don't just like think I'm going to solve all your issues. Yeah, that's not how it, this is going to work. So often in corporate America, people go like, "Oh, diversity. He's our diversity person. That's our one guy. <laughs> yeah. Or that's our one. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, yo, y'all need to chill with it's that. It's literally not diversity. It's no, literally one person. No, it's not. And <laughs> and and it's lifelong work. Yeah. So yeah. like as as you know, as as honest as I'd like to be, for me, I also know there's so much more I have to learn mm-hmm. in this space. And, you know, I, I work towards that every day. But even with everything I learn, I'm never going to be the expert in somebody else's experience. Yeah. So for, you know, all, all my corporate clients and anybody else who's like listening to this kind of conversation, what I really want them to understand is, you know, the, the beauty of... The beauty of hip hop is that you get to hear so many different voices in the cipher. Mm-hmm. They're all like equal yeah. in that sense, right? Yeah. Like, there's no one person who is who is better than that. Yeah, sure, there might be more skilled rappers here, this or that, da da da. But <laughs> that okay, time out. That is the biggest engine for the worst, most booty-looking car I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> it's got like a monster truck engine and a Ford Taurus. Like, and he's not kidding. There's no reason for that. Setting off car alarms? Like, why? But what I was saying, you can hear it. It's like four or five blocks away now. Oh, yeah. It's you still... can still hear it. That's wild. <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've um, seen all day. Yeah. No. Well, welcome welcome to it. Um, no, but, I, but the, I think the value in hip-hop is that everyone's voice in the cypher should be respected. Mm-hmm. Period. Right? And while some people might be more skilled at this part or that part, that doesn't mean that that person has any less value right like everybody can work and improve and develop on their craft but that person having an opportunity to be recognized is the point yeah right and if we could translate that experience 
into corporate spaces where employees and supervisors and everybody feels like they can show up and, and be authentic and, um, and recognize and honor everybody's culture, um, in a way that's like productive and, and, and cohesive to the team environment, mm-hmm. then that's, I think, what we're working towards. But it's not a, you know, office version of <laughs> diversity day you know what i mean like, i've been watching i've i've never actually watched the office until covid hit and i had time to sit down and watch it yeah yeah so for so my for my office fans y- y'all understand what that means but <laughs> yeah no it, it shouldn't just be this like tokenism around diversity and representation and people think oh that's it yeah because it's more than that it's like a balance of power right um you the the work of eliminating hierarchies right so that people it's not that, you know, you may not have a supervisor or things like that, but um, you don't feel disrespected by your supervisor because yeah. you, you, you're, you feel like you're not being treated like a human being yeah. in that space. Right. I think that some of that stuff is what we're working to uh, dismantle. But, um, yeah, there's there's so much more to that. We yeah. can just go on. Down <laughs> yeah, that I mean, forever. that's that's uh, an entire course load of of work. Yeah. And an entire major at a college, mm-hmm. but uh, I've I've got to ask one last question before we get you out of here because we could talk all day and it's been wonderful. Thank you seriously for being on this. Um, with Sacramento, if you had to change one thing, and that's all you could change, what yeah. would you pick? What would you do? Oh man, mm. You know, there, there, there's a lot of things. I'd make a black woman mayor. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not just like any black woman, but like a black woman who's been fighting for equity and for just like a Sonia Lewis. Mm. You know, I, I'd, I'd want somebody like that to have power in the city and be able to kind of influence others in, in that kind of thing from that scale. Um, because there's so many like harmful policies that are racist classist sexist all of these isms right um but i think it would take somebody from like a deep kind of intersectional lens to dismantle some of that stuff from a policy level and i think that there are cities or there are places that have had um black women as leaders mm-hmm. that have really kind of shifted that stuff and, and moved the needle a lot more quickly than other cities with different kinds of leadership. So um, I think that'd be the one thing because then all the other stuff that I'd want to see change in terms of like education, uh, reform, uh, housing, justice, food, just, I think all of that stuff like are just like dominoes that would then fall. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, So, yeah. So that's, you know, that's, I think my one. Beautiful answer. I think would, yeah, what a way to finish so this off at. Things, yeah. Thank you so much, Paul, for coming on. If you don't know Paul's work, once again, Paul Willis is hiphop.bandcamp.com. And uh actually let me let me back. If you want to know his hip hop work, go there. If you want to know his act like his his outside of hip hop work, talk to the man himself. He's always out here. He's always doing so much for everybody. Yeah, hit me up on Instagram. So like everything is Paul Willis is hip hop, right? <laughs> it's my Instagram, it's my email, my Gmail account, it's my 
Cash App, my Venmo, my, <laughs> you know, uh, all of that stuff. So, uh, however uh, you want to get in touch with me, that's how you can get in touch with me. And there's no middleman, right? There's no, like, manager. I'm never going to refer you to anybody else. Like, if you message me, you get me directly. Bada ping. Well, yeah, again, thank you so much. And uh, to everybody out there, I hope you're taking care of yourselves, doing the best you can. Times are rough, but we're tough people. All right. Peace out.